Welcome into the 17th episode of Fatal to Prejudice. Um, thank you for tuning in. And if you haven't already, please subscribe to the channel, follow it, uh, download the episodes, share it with friends, give it a rating. It really helps out. Really appreciate it uh, if you do so. So thank you. Um, anyway, we got, uh, got a special guest today. Very excited to have him here. Um, it's my buddy Mason, fraternity brother, once again showing up. Uh, he actually reached out and was like, hey, I'd love to tell my story. Uh, can I do so? And I said, you're absolutely welcome. So welcome in, Mason. Thanks Thank for you. being here. Thank you for having me. Of course. So um, let's see. We met. Um, when did we meet? It was early 2016. So we've known each other for about six years now. Yeah, somewhere around there. I remember uh, the fraternity was hosting an open cookout. I remember because I was seeing flyers all over campus. And at that point, I had just started at TU. I didn't really know anybody. So I figured, hey, despite what I've heard about fraternities in the past, I might as well see what you know fraternities are really all about. So I went there. And I wasn't really expecting all that much, if I'm being honest. But when I got there, I was pleasantly surprised. It was very chill. Everyone was just having a good time. Was that in the fall semester or the spring? It I don't was, know if we could have done it in the spring. It was probably too cold. It was definitely in fall. I'm pretty sure it was in October, if I'm thinking back correctly. Okay. Yeah. So that I probably wasn't there for because I had my uh, internship. Um, and I was away from campus, but yeah, that's, it's a nice introduction to like the fraternity life, seeing what the fraternity was about. Um, and that was your freshman year. It was my freshman year. Yeah. Freshman year. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And what was your, uh, what was your like, um, stereotype or your like bias before? Did you have any like from news media or? movies or anything well i mean you hear all about obvious bias stuff from you know different media like movies especially animal house is a big one but i thought to myself you know this is a smaller school i this could be like that but i'm willing to bet that it's not really and i'm really glad that i was proven correct yeah that's awesome um i've had a couple other fraternity brothers come on uh and talk and give their story and we've talked fraternity stories and fraternity life so it's it's great to have you here another perspective uh joining your freshman year and kind of really helping the story of fraternities aren't all that bad right mm -hmm. yeah so do you want to do you want to talk more about like fraternity life do you want to talk about like chronologically do you want to start like where you grew up and then we'll go back into fraternity life I think it makes sense if we go chronologically because then that okay. will eventually lead into fraternity stuff. So it kind of makes sense to do it that way. Perfect. Let's go. Where? Uh, so where Where do we begin? Uh, well, I was born, uh, technically I was born in Tiffin at the Old Mercy Hospital, which is AutoZone, I'm pretty sure now. I was born in there, uh, raised a little out outside of Upper Sandusky, which is about... 30 minutes away from Tiffin kind of uh, going back and forth sort of just to 
we had a lot of family in Tiffin for the most part. So my connection with the town is pretty close. And I went to Upper Sandusky for, you know, elementary, middle school, high school, all that stuff. Uh, growing up, I noticed fairly on in my childhood that I was sort of uh, different, I guess, is the simplest I could say. I couldn't really understand what it really was for the longest time. I just thought I was just some weird kid, but uh, after a while, I, uh, it's a little hard to think back that far, honestly. I, my memories from that time aren't really the best. There's only like a few standouts every here and there, but it's not really something that I think back on all the time. Is there any of those standout stories you want to, you want to talk about? Well, I think that my uh, earliest memory was when I was first day of kindergarten. And I know that's like way back. I'm pretty sure like it was early 2000. I'm fairly unsure if it was. Uh, You know, I just walked into the room. You know, kids were all over the place. I'm like, okay, my parents just dropped me off here. This is something sort of similar to preschool that I did for a year or so. So I'm guessing this is just more of the same. It's just the building is a lot bigger. And I I just sort of like wandered around and everybody was just, you know, playing around and whatever. And I'm thinking like, okay, maybe I should interact as well, I guess. But I didn't really know what I was doing at the time. Yeah. Yeah. And then I literally just like came across this one kid, no joke, just told him, hey, do you want to be my friend? And he said, yeah. And somehow or other, we've been friends ever since. That's amazing. Yeah, it really honestly is. That is so cool. You've been friends since the first day of kindergarten. Yeah. If he's listening to this, he'll know who he is. That's awesome. Yeah. Um. So like you um mentioned like it was what different going into like school and stuff with other people and um is there any i guess any other like memories of that or like school in general that uh stand out to you well i think there are a few that are sort of relevant to uh, the main reason that I came on here, uh, the same kid that I had been friends with, I noticed that he was also talking to like other kids. I think this was in like third grade. And then I, cause we had been like, you know, hanging out back and forth, like between then and he's hanging out with other kids. And I'm like, Oh wait, you're supposed to have more than one of these. And so I figured, Oh, I have to start this all over again with someone. Don't I? And I, I mean, I talked to uh, some other people from my school, never really got as close as the one before. And that's just sort of the same way it's been. It was through pretty much till uh, high school. Cause then like, I just really started to shut myself off. Well, high school is high school, but I mean, that's just what it is. 
High school is the worst. Yeah. <laughs> I I hated high school. Did you hate high school? I had like ups and downs. I was in the uh I was involved in the theater for like my freshman year. I was back crew, obviously. There's no way I'd be able to get up on stage. Yeah, so I just helped move stuff around. That was pretty neat. I did the same thing for the musical in the spring of my freshman year, but then like the theater director said, Hey, I want you to do lights. And then, Oh, and I was like, okay, I'm not sure why, but I'll see what this is about. And she showed me how to do it. I'm like, yeah, I'm not doing this. This is boring. And so I just stopped. (laughs) And then like, I thought to myself, okay, that was dumb, but maybe I can try again next year. And for whatever reason, like I talked about it and she said, well, whatever happens, I'm having you go on lights because I don't know. She never gave me a reason. I'm like, why am I like dead set on lights? Like, am I doing something wrong backstage? Cause, and if I did, she never told me, she never told me. It's kind of annoying. Yeah. It was very annoying. So I was like, okay, you know what? Then screw this. And so I just never went back. That's but yeah, I had enough. a lot of fun doing that. Yeah. Yeah. What else did you like get into in, in school or anything? Um, I was very uninvolved. I guess like there's always that one kid in the back that is constantly there. But you have to think really hard to remember them, I guess you could say. And I'm pretty sure that's like about as good a niche I fit than any other. Cause I just, I wasn't very actively involved with, you know, sports. I, I mean, hell I ran a cross country in my senior year and that for better or worse was kind of a mistake, but yeah. Um, you know, I never really did anything Really, I never got in trouble, never joined, like, hardly any clubs. I just kind of just existed, I guess. Yeah. There's not really anything where I could uh, describe. That's fair. Yeah. Um. So you, it sounds like you kind of felt like, like the outcast, like you were just different um, in school and... Did you have, did you make more friends uh, rather than just the one that you mentioned earlier? Well, okay. It's not like I only talked to this one guy because that's not uh, really true. I talked to, you know, I, I pretty much knew everybody. Mm -hmm. It's just like, I wasn't, you know, constantly going to them saying like, Hey, how's it going? It was more just like, oh, hey, what's going on? Which I, that sounds exactly the same, but I'm saying like, I don't know, just someone like me, like friendships are a puzzle, I guess. I'm not really, not really adept at it. It's all good. I mean, in my personal experience, socializing is hard. Yeah. With people, it's very hard. And it, um. I don't want to say that I had a harder time than you or an easier time than you. I Um, guarantee you had a much easier time than me. (laughs) (laughs) 
Um, yeah, I, I've talked to quite a few people that are just like, I, I can't do like socializing. Um, I don't know. There's there's a lot of like super introverted people that just hate talking to other people or communicating with other people. Now, would you say that you're like introverted or extroverted? See, when I growing up, I was heavily introverted. I am still like that for the most part, but I can be extroverted when I really want to be. Mm-hmm. It's just that when I do get those like times when I am extroverted, the longer I'm like that, the longer I have to like sit back and just recharge. Oh yeah. I guess. I, I totally relate to that. Um, were you going to say something? I'm sorry if I cut you off. No, 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 no I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> it's like, you know, I'll be at party one night and then like, I'll just shut myself off in the room for like a day. It's something like that. Yeah. I've, uh, I've definitely been in those shoes, um, where I like socialize with people and then I'm like, all right, that's enough socializing for two or three days. And I sit here and lock myself away from people and like hide under a blanket and watch a movie. Yeah. That's more or less my routine. Yeah. Is that, is that, uh, do you find that like a good routine? Uh, that you have or is there like other things that help you recharge a little more uh that's more or less it i'll just like usually just lay my bed watch a movie play on the switch not really much else okay yeah uh yeah i'm trying to see if there's anything that i can learn from you that uh might help me uh recharge a little bit yeah um yeah is uh what uh what else do you want to bring up from like younger mason what do you want to talk about oh man yeah current mason and younger mason are two very different people i gotta tell you yeah yeah let's let's uh let's paint the picture of younger mason and uh then paint the picture of older mason today mason okay i gotta really delve into this don't i okay um go for it (laughs) okay so like before we go any further i do have to address this if no one who doesn't already know me has figured it out by now i am autistic and i have been for pretty much my whole life since uh, I, I started showing signs of being autistic when I was about like two or three years old. And before anybody asks, I do have to preface, I did not get vaccinated until I was about five before I started school. Just had to throw that oh, out yeah, there. Oh yeah, because that's a big thing that some famous person mentioned. Yeah, once. I'm sorry. I'm not mean to like drive this off course, but no, I cannot fine. stand when people do that, I just, that stuff makes my blood boil. Yeah. And I'm like, I see that and they make it sound like, oh, I don't want to get my kid vaccinated. Otherwise he'll get cancer. And I'm like, no, like, okay. If by some 
odd occurrence that were to happen, we're still living, aren't we? We're still yeah. healthy, aren't we? Yeah. I mean, if you're not healthy, then you suffer from like other medical complications, but that's beyond the point at that. So, but if I talk about that any longer, I'm going to be here all day. But <laughs> anyway, I, so I am what's referred to as high functioning autism, which uh, in it, in and of itself, it has been referred to as Asperger's syndrome, which is also an sort of outdated term by this point, because that's just what they use to generalize it, I guess. It's not really something that I keep up with. Like, I don't research all the news about it, like all the new studies that come out of it. I just learned what it was one day. And I was like, okay, that might explain a few things, but okay. Um, I didn't actually know what autism was for the longest time because up until about seventh grade, I had just assumed that I was just, just some weird kid. I didn't really fit in with most other people. They just, they treated me fine. I was never bullied. I was never like shunned in any way. Everybody just treated me like a regular person from what I can remember. If they didn't, then I don't really remember it. And honestly, I don't really care all that much if that makes sense. Um, it wasn't until about like uh, my seventh grade health class. I'm pretty sure we had to like have some sort of like I can't remember what it was it was some sort of like written document that I saw that had my name on it and somewhere on there it had printed out Asperger's syndrome I'm like wait what what is that and I didn't I had no idea what it was I never heard of it and I'm thinking like Okay, is there something wrong with me? Is this like a terminal thing? What what the hell is going on? And and for I don't know how I got this idea, but for whatever reason, I had assumed that it was something to do with your sinuses. Interesting. Yeah, I don't even know where I got that from. I had no idea. It wasn't until I asked about it with my parents that they uh, sort of sat down and explained it to me. And then I'm thinking like, okay, yeah, that makes way too much sense now. And that's just kind of where I figured it was. And so I kind of just, nothing really changed after that. I'm, well, actually, no, I'll, I, what to say like my outlook on social interaction especially changed because I realized like okay so this is why I have such a hard time like interacting with people this is why I have such a hard time paying attention in class sometimes or just all all sorts of things so with um like with autism like you you mentioned it was so it was called 
Asperger's, right? And now it's officially just referred to as autism. Yes, it's, well, it's the autism spectrum. There's a lot of people that uh, have, a lot of researchers have sort of retconned autism as being like, well, let me rephrase that. They've retconned Asperger's as being part of the autism spectrum, which makes a lot more sense. Um, people like me are often like regarded as being incredibly intelligent, which is pretty neat. Um, a lot of famous people, believe it or not, are like high functioning autistics, like sweet, uh, Spielberg, Einstein. I think I even read somewhere that Bill Gates has it. I don't really know. Really? Yeah. It, Affects like one in sixty-eight kids. I'm pretty sure. And when you look at the statistics, it's really interesting. Um, a lot of people don't think that it affects girls, but it it's it's just because guys are significantly more likely to have it. But a common misconception that it doesn't affect women at all, and and you know, you'd be proven wrong because it only affects them like half as often, I guess it, it was some like men are five times more likely to be diagnosed with it than women for whatever reason. I'm not really sure. A lot of that has to be chalked up to a misdiagnosis. So men are five times more likely to be, have autism than women has researchers figured out why that is or it just kind of is until we can figure it out i think it's has something to do with the fact that uh see i have to be careful with this because i just i don't want to say anything like wrong i think it's like the attitude that most women carry about themselves that makes it seem like they're just being generally shy i guess you could say because i mean like when i was a kid i was shy as hell like right if you were introducing me to somebody i would not say a word to them you know men are inherently more social from i find and so i think that's the reason why like a lot of doctors point to that one boy in the class and thinking like i should take a look at this kid and so that's just more likely when there's like two girls in the same class who also exhibit the same behaviorisms, if not more prominent than the one boy. And so that's just overlooked for whatever reason. Like I said, I don't research this sort of thing heavily. This is yeah. just something that it's one of the, like the main bullets that pop up every once in a while. Mm-hmm. And it's, I think with autism, it's really interesting because you can't just like, I don't know, take a blood test and say, oh, hey, you are diagnosed with, you know, X, Y, Z and autism shows up on that list, right? Mm-hmm. It's, there's, there's a, a different form of like being looked at by a doctor, right? No, it's a, it's a mental disorder. Like yeah. any sort of like blood work you could have done any sort of geneticist could take a look at it and there like between an autistic person and a non-autistic person, you could find 
literally no difference. It's like, well, the thing is, there's a, like the main thing about autism is that there's a filter sort of inside your head. It sort of gives you the idea of how to like read the room, like read people's expressions, what they're thinking, what they are feeling at the time, like their body language, their facial expressions, things like that. People like me do not have that. And so I could be walking into a room of people who are, you know, just hanging out, not really any saying what it is that's going on. And I would be there thinking like, okay, they're like chill and whatever else, but like, what are they so happy about? Cause like I need context. Cause mm-hmm. otherwise, you know, well, that could just be a case of them not telling me what's going on, but that's neither here nor there. It's more or less the same principle. I'm not really good at explaining things in general. I'm just trying to give my perspective because another thing that I especially struggle with is like responding to just responding to conversation. I guess it's very hard for me to jump into a conversation, especially when people are talking. Cause I often will wait for there to be a pause. And just when I think that there is, they'll start talking again, just as I'm starting to talk. And then I will immediately shut back up, will not say anything. And then when I do jump in, it sort of just sometimes tends to go off the rails. Uh, The way I see it is uh, these two people could be saying, like they could be saying, you know, A, and I could walk up and in my head, I'm going to say A, but when I open my mouth, the letter R comes out. And okay. Y- you know what I mean? And uh, yeah. So they hear R and they're thinking like, what the hell is this guy talking about? And then I start to panic because I realize that uh, the wrong thing has been said. And so I try to overcompensate by thinking that I'm going to be saying in the letter T, but then it comes out all Q. Okay. And just sort of like that. It's, that's always the example that I've thought of it as. And I know it's not very, it's not, it's not very clear. I get that. It's not very clear, but it's just something that has always sort of made sense in my head. Let me see if I am like understanding you correctly. So, um, like say me and someone else are talking about like cheeseburgers, right? Okay. And then you come in and you want to talk about cheeseburgers too but you think cheeseburgers and then you say something about like a car. Is that kind of what, what you're going with? Well, see, if I get the context of the situation, then most often this will not happen. Okay. But it's usually what happens if something is very, very vague. If It's not even really about all specific things that we're saying. It's just oftentimes the way I speak is something that I struggle with because I try to match the sort of expression that people are saying, but oftentimes I will, I'll think that I'm saying it right, but it'll come out like I'm sounding very angry or very depressed. And that's what throws people off. Okay. And then they'll say like, dude, why are you sound so, like, such an asshole? And I'm like, I'm not. And that's just the sort of thing that confuses me. And that's what I was trying to uh, say. 
Yeah, I um you mentioning that I remember um being like in the fraternity house one time and we're all you know, there's five or six of us sitting there and uh you and myself included and you know, people are talking about something and then you say something and everyone's like, Damn Mason, why'd you have to be so mean about it? And you're like, I'm sorry, I don't mean to sound mean. I just you know, that's just the way I speak. Right. Yeah. But most of the times it's funny. But most of the time it is funny <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> there. I, I don't remember everything, but I do remember having conversations in the, mm. in the fraternity house and you'd say something in a, when, you know, there's a group of people and oh my God, it, it's hilarious. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we all bust out laughing. It's a great time. Yeah. And um, oftentimes I, it's especially something that I've learned to utilize in my later years. Uh, I try to use humor in order to mask like the sort of anxiety that I carry with because I have to think very carefully about how I want something to come across. And even then, like oftentimes it will backfire worse than I can predict. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's, you know, it's tough. Like I said, it didn't used to always be like that because in middle school and elementary, it was just from what I can remember. And this is very little. I didn't really think much of it. I was just a very shy, quiet kid. And more towards high school, you know, you start going through puberty. You have that sort of attitude. I was just stone faced asshole pretty much 24 7 and i for the life of me i don't know why i was like that i just high school is just a very awkward time mm-hmm. i guess i and like for me especially and, and i'm not saying this to just you know say like oh i had such a hard time pity me i'm saying like i'm trying to explain that this sort of thing can happen to people who may know someone with autism, like it's important to look out for the signs and be like, Oh, so maybe the way this guy has been acting, maybe from what I've heard, this is why is, you know, that's sort of part of the reason why I came on here. Yeah. That's, I think that's a fair way to, you know, describe your side and how you see, social interactions right yeah i mean the best i can explain it anyway hey that's i mean it's your point of view it's how you live your life and you know Mm-hmm. so you found out early on that you had um, autism high functioning yeah and um did you like you kind of explained it where you had like you lived with it you didn't really totally understand it. Did you feel like different from other people? Oh, all the um, time. Okay. Yeah. I, I'm not really sure where there was just like some days where I just sat and wondered, like, I know there's something about me that doesn't quite gel up with from everyone else that I've interacted with. And I'm sitting there trying to figure out, like, what is it exactly? Because, I mean, there were times when I thought to myself, like, am I even human? 
Like, I genuinely wondered if I was, like, an alien or something. And I'm like, oh, man, I could be. I don't know. It was dumb. But, it, I mean, it just sort of just goes to show, I guess, how, like, well, for lack of a better word, alienated, I guess I should say, that I felt. And people, that, like I said, people did not treat me any differently. I mean, most of the time when I tell people that I am autistic, they're like, oh, I couldn't even tell. And apparently some autistic people who are told that are offended by the statement and whether or not that's just them or whatever, for the life of me, I can't figure out why, because I've like, for the longest time I wanted to be normal Yeah. because in my eyes, I was not, and there was something inherently wrong with me that I couldn't figure out how to get rid of. Cause I mean, Unfortunately, this is something that I'm going to be stuck with for the rest of my life, and there's not really anything I can do about it. I have gotten better at managing it. When I was a kid, especially, I was very, very bad with it. I would often exclude myself from, like, the other kids at school. Uh, I also carried a lot of anger with me for the longest time. And I still regrettably do, but I've just gotten somewhat better at managing it but I mean there were days when I was just chucking textbooks at like other kids I don't really know why I did that I was I was just a dumb kid at that point there was no real reason for me to obviously yeah and just yeah after that point my parents were like okay something about this gotta be done and yeah sure enough I was sat down with a therapist for a little bit he kind of just you know asked like you know why do you feel like this and I don't really know what my reasoning was I don't know why I was such an angry brat as a kid I just I really don't I think that was just me subconsciously lashing out I guess I'm not really sure how else to describe it it's just something that I didn't understand and you know why is it that I feel different when everybody else seems fine it's just not something I understood at the time. And, you know, that is a lot that I regret about that, obviously. Because, man, I would not do that again in a million years. Yeah. Now, unless I had it coming, but, I mean, that's neither here nor there right now. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah. yeah, I sat down with my therapist. I usually saw him, like, every once in a while. And then I sort of took a break. And then after I found out, what autism was, I sort of started seeing him again and then stopped again once I started high school. One more time before he retired during my sophomore year of college. But that's for uh, another reason that we'll probably get into here in a bit. Uh, if we want, if you want to go into that um, now, like, is, is there any other, um, anything else that you wanted to mention about you know, younger Mason that you mentioned earlier, how, how younger Mason is different than older Mason now. I, I'm not really sure that there is honestly. Mm -hmm. Cause I mean, I mean, like I said, my memories from that time are very limited. I, yeah. oftentimes when I try to think back, it's like, I'm thinking about someone else's memories. It's very odd. Yeah. It's almost kind of haunting almost because I went to my high school reunion last year and I was thinking to myself, like, these are people that I pretty much grew up with. Like, why do I feel somewhat detached from them? Because I know these people. 
but it's just I don't really I couldn't really describe it. It was just like I said, it was like almost haunting. Did it did it seem like it was like a different life? It was pretty much. Yeah. It felt exactly like that. Yeah. Like you you lived a life and you knew these people in that life and now or last year you said, right? The it yeah. was your high school reunion and you're like, Oh, I knew you guys in a different life that I had. Is that kind of what it was? Yeah, it was exactly like that too. Just like go back and, you know, see most of these people again after so long. It was just, it was very weird. Cause like I, w- I have been friends with these people on Facebook since I had gotten a Facebook for better or worse. I don't really know. It's just like, you know, I, they're not people that I see hardly ever. Mm-hmm. And it's just, yeah, I spent like a good 12, 13 years with them. Went to school somewhere else for only four years. Came back and I'm like, who are these people again? Well, no, I shouldn't say that. I knew them, obviously. It's just after I graduated high school, I just, I really wanted to just get away from it all. You know, when yeah. you're at that point in life, you just want to like branch out. And I think I'm still in the process of that because especially like when I went to TU, I decided like then and there I was going to try and reinvent myself that I was going to be like, you know, the guy that everyone knew that, you know, I, I wanted to try and be the popular kid first week there. I realized immediately that that was not going to happen. <laughs> is that cause like school is just, or like college is so much bigger than oh, high school. I, yeah. Because I graduated with a, little over 150 people i think i can't remember and then uh college was 3000 yeah it i mean i come from a small town in ohio i don't know just like coming on that and just seeing the amount of people just walking around and i'm like this ain't a school this is a small city you got here <laughs> yeah like it was incredibly intimidating would you say that going to college uh, brings you into the like older Mason, the Mason you who you are today. Does that begin that journey? Yeah, that's pretty much where it starts at that point. Because I think I, when I decided to cut myself off from the rest of, of my life, I think it worked a little too well. <laughs> but yeah, that's pretty much where like the second half of it starts. So I was very excited to start college because I did have like very high expectations for what college was going to be like. There was this one other kid that I went to TU with who was like a basketball player or something. And I was thinking to myself, okay, I am not going to know anyone else here, but that kid, I'm going to stick to him like glue. And then I found out like a week later that he's just vanished. And I, and to this day, I have no idea what happened to him. Like he must've transferred or something. Cause I, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know what happened. <laughs> it was just, it was the weirdest thing. And I'm like, okay, he's gone. So I don't know what to do now. So I'm just going to wander around and see what happens. And so I do that. And then like, you know, for the first couple of months, it's just a very bare bones cycle of just going to class, going home back again. It wasn't until, you know, I saw that flyer for the open cookout that I thought, okay, this could go south, but I'm going to chance this 
because at least this will get me to interact with someone. Yeah. And, well, I mean, kind of already went through that. I guess I should uh, preface. So, yeah, after that, I, uh, you know, I decided after that at night, you know, I might consider, like, getting in on this. And, you know, my parents were incredibly supportive. They thought, like, yeah, if you can go through with this, then go through with it. That'd be awesome. And, you know, so I did. Uh, there was, like, at one point where I did, like, check out another fraternity on campus. Went to, like, one of their open houses and realized pretty quickly that it was... Everybody was still pretty lax, but it was just too loud for me, too busy. There was, like, a million people there. It just wasn't really my thing. And so I figured, yeah, I'm going to hang out with the other guys. And so I did that. And I went into pledging, not at all knowing what to expect. First night, you know, we started out with five guys in my line. And, you know, we kind of like ran through, you know, the basics of how things were going to go. You know, after a while, I started thinking like, okay, I'm not really sure what I've gotten myself into. I'm not sure if this really is for me. And so I remember this vividly as I was driving back into Tiffin for the second night of pledging, I'm like, okay, maybe I should just tell them I'm not up for it before I start because I was still living at home at this point. So pledging started pretty late at night and I was driving home early in the morning. I was incredibly tired and I was thinking like, this is going to seriously mess up my grades, my sleep schedule. I'm not sure if I should go through with this. And I was thinking like, it sucks because this was like a really cool social interaction that I was involved with. This might be too much for me to handle. But then on the way, I get a text from the other guys saying, hey, this other guy dropped. Like no rhyme or reason. This guy seemed like he was more into it than I especially was. Because I mean, like you can tell all yourself, like I was incredibly like stiff and rigid for a majority of it. And I'm thinking like, okay, I honestly did not see that coming. I'm not really sure what happened. So that, I think that's the point where I started to think, okay, maybe, maybe I could give this one more night. And so I do that. And then I'm not really sure what happened, but after that night, I'm thinking like, no, I kind of want to see through to this. And if I get kicked out at some point, then whatever, at least I tried. And then I remember pulling you three aside, you, Aaron and Adam, who were doing the pledging after we had got done, I pulled you guys aside and I said, Hey, here's the situation. I'm autistic and I'm not entirely, I may not seem like I'm entirely comfortable with what we're doing, but whether that be the case or not, I do not want you guys to hold anything back just for me. I just want to say that I remember that conversation um, very vividly. And I got cold chills, as you mentioned it, because just like background on my side for you and anyone listening, um, you know, there was only three of us and we were uh, like active members in the fraternity. We had another one who was off campus doing an internship as well. Um, but there was three of us active members. We had one other 
other guy who was um, going for masters. And then, um, you know, we're staring at five pledges and we're like, there's more of us than there is, or there's more of them than there is of us. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, the one dropping, uh, that sucked, but you know, we're, uh, after that night, I'm pretty sure it was afterwards, right? After pledging, we went through the whole day and then you step aside and say, Hey guys, I want to talk to you. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I remember like being the pledge captain and I was like, Oh shit. Like, I didn't know this about you. You know, I, like I'd said, I couldn't tell that you're, you have autism and like, you're doing a great job. <laughs> Even with, you know, everything we're doing, if you say that you're differently abled from the people that are, don't have autism. Yeah. You know, you're doing it just as well as they are. Yeah. Um, and I really did try my best to like keep up with the rest because you know, at that point, the fraternity, like, you know, you and you were getting ready to graduate. So was Adam. I'm pretty sure at that point he had one more year. Okay, uh, yeah, so but, did Taryn. Well, Taryn was going off to, uh, what he, is it called? Yeah. A he train? went somewhere. I don't know. I'll have to talk to him about it. Like boot camp, for lack of a better term. I'm not yeah. really sure what it, it was something. It's bothering me. But yeah, so like the fraternity for the most part was in kind of, I don't want to say a desperate situation, but we were like one or two people leaving away from just disappearing. Yeah. And so it was getting down to the wire. You know, I'm like, you know, I'm just some scrawny ass freshman standing there with a bunch of juniors and I'm thinking to myself, okay, this will be cool because I'm pretty sure that they're looking for, you know, freshmen as well as these other guys, because that sort of makes me more desirable. But then on the flip side, I realized, oh no, wait, I'm the freshman. So that means, you know, they could just turn to me and say, you know, sorry, buddy, tough shit, but come back next year. Cause those other guys don't have that uh, opportunity. And I realized that especially like, uh, last night of pledging. And at that point I was like quaking in my shoes at that point. Like I was incredibly nervous because I thought for certain, like, okay, these guys are, I'm hoping we'll get through. And if I don't, then at least they will. And that's pretty much the idea that I had going through my head the entire night. So you made it through all of pledging and you of course crossed became an active member of the fraternity somehow or other yes (laughs) i could tell you stories that uh can't be recorded but probably for the best yeah (laughs) i'm trying to be as vague when it comes to pledging as i can yeah uh we we try to keep it a secret but there's as it should yeah it's there's things that are allowed to not be secret like you know it like you mentioned earlier um we we had a strict schedule from the campus itself where we could only pledge for two weeks uh, and it had to be from 9 p.m. to midnight and that's it. Anything else is outside of those bounds and we could have um, severe re- repercussions against us if we did. Oh, yeah. I don't doubt that. Yeah. And, th- you know, there was a lot of stuff to learn a lot of like very important, very interesting stuff to learn about the fraternity that we had to cram in those two weeks. Yeah. And I was especially stressed out about this because I'm thinking, crap, 
I'm going to have to memorize this entire book. My memory is garbage. And so I'm struggling to memorize all that because I'm going through all that stuff while I'm at work, while I'm on my way to class, while I'm even going to the bathroom even. Yeah, I think that's a really, really good point to note that you're, like you mentioned, you don't live on campus, right? You're commuting from home to class and then you're also working, right? And during this time you are pledging a fraternity and we have a book that has a lot of information. It's it's only what I'd say five inches by three inches. So it's a small book. It is a small book, but like the information. But there's like 30 pages. Yes. And the information in there, you know, it doesn't matter if it was like fully spaced, like eight by 11. It is all the same. Yeah. It doesn't matter the size of the book. The information is the same and it it's all important. Right. It is absolutely important. And I think I think that's amazing that you were able to, you know, recognize, say, hey, I have autism. I have difficulty doing X, Y, Z. I'm going to college and going to all my classes and doing all my homework, taking all the tests and going to work and having a job and pledging a fraternity like you're handling all of these time sensitive things in a manner that most other people probably couldn't. Oh God. If there's one thing that college has taught me, it is time management. Yeah. Well, pledging especially has taught me that more so, but I mean, that's beside the point. Yeah. It was just very, especially difficult for me as a commuter, because I mean, you guys aren't going to like wait for me like on hand and foot for this. It's like, no, I have to be the one to step up for this because this is important to me and this is just as important to them, if not more so. Yeah. You you have the option after class ends to come by the fraternity house and sit there from, geez, who knows, four or five o'clock until it's time for pledging to start at nine. Or you can leave campus go back home and you know if it's a comfort zone or not um be at home from 5 p.m and then you have to drive back to campus again Mm -hmm. to be there for four hours or three hours and then drive back home right yeah it was like you know i would early in the morning i would drive to tiffin to go to class drive home from to you go to work at a job that i absolutely despised come back home so I could switch out of my clothes and then go back in very late at night and then do pledging and then drive home at like one in the morning and try to avoid as many deer along the way as I could because driving at night when you're half asleep is incredibly terrifying yes yes it is yeah in hindsight I probably should have just packed an overnight bag in some of those points but Especially, like, nights when we had meetings, it was, yikes. It was rough. Yeah, but it had to be done. It had to be done. Yep. You're a strong person for it. Yep, and I wouldn't have it any other way. Yeah. Hmm. So, um, was there anything else you wanted to mention about pledging? Uh, I mean, I think one of the bigger things I had to adjust to was that for a majority of my life in school, especially, 
I didn't really get along like as well with other guys as I did other girls in my school, oddly enough. Yeah, I like in high school, I'm pretty sure I had more friends who were girls than guys. And yeah, ironically, could not get any less laid. <laughs> I don't know. How does that happen? It's like Three's Company or something. Um, <laughs> for those of you who don't know that reference, I do not blame you. Um, it was definitely an adjustment to have to interact with these uh, three other guys on a regular basis. This is like for the first time that I've met a lot of these guys. Like I didn't meet uh, Snyder until like the Super Bowl party, and that was the day before our pledging started. Yeah, there's um, one of the things that um, we do within the fraternity was, I'm not sure if they still do this, but when I was inactive, we would, if, if new pledges knew each other, that's fine, but we wouldn't specifically say, hey, Mason, one of your pledge brothers is going to be Snyder or, you know, it, it keeps you from becoming friends or close to each other and communicating before pledging. And it forces you to become a better, uh, like have a connection with that person during that time frame. And you, in my experience, you become closer to someone a lot quicker going through the pledging process than you do if you were to just meet that person and not go through that experience together. Would you agree with me? Do you, did you feel that was like a, a similar um, interaction that you had? I would say so. I mean, like for me, especially getting to know these other guys, I mean, we're, you know, all four of us are here for the same reason. We want to get into this fraternity we need to come together to figure out how we're going to go about doing that. So like for a lot of these guys, I know next to nothing about at the beginning, there were like guys, I was just like, Oh, Hey, how's it going? But you know, by the end of it, like you could say like somebody could uh, say like we were brothers and I would a hundred percent be behind it because like, you know, the bonds just go deep, especially yeah. through that experience. Definitely. Yeah. I mean, that's the idea, but it stands to reason. Yeah, and it, it still stands true to this day. I would hope. What happened after pledging, like, as an active? So I this this is different to me because, or new to me, because I actually graduated right after you became an active. So what was your experience like being an active uh, fraternity member on campus? Oh, man, uh cross night when we did cross I gotta say like that night was probably like the highlight of my college career if not my life I would say like I had never felt I had never felt so great at that point I was riding sky high at that point because uh, like this wasn't just like something because this is something that I really wanted at the end of like the pledging, I when I first started out, I'm like thinking, okay, I'll give this a try. But towards the end, I'm like, no, I want this more than anything. And the fact that like all my effort paid off just felt all the better. It just made it feel all the better. And to know that like all four of us had made it through was more satisfying, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, 
being an active, uh, I had been made the secretary and the historian. I didn't really do anything with the historian uh, part of my job, which is kind of my fault. Sorry, guys. Um, <laughs> you know, being someone in a position in the organization, you know, carries a lot of responsibility and stuff like that. You know, I had the responsibility of taking notes whenever we had meetings or whatever. And I thought that I had done a decent enough job of that. Other than that, it, it was just good for me to think of myself like, you know, I finally have like a place that I can belong in. You know, a lot of the guys, you know, they don't think of me any different as most people haven't. But, you know, these are just like a good group of people that I can constantly like, you know, hang out with and not even with the guys, the alphas, especially in that time. No, it just felt good to have people who were constantly there. Now, when summer came around and everybody else went home, because a lot of these people lived pretty far out on from where I was at, summers would get pretty depressing because it was just me and the people that I worked with. And that was, I didn't really have that much interaction with the people that I worked with for the most part. Working at Kroger now, I've made friends working there, which is good because, you know, we're always talking about how absolutely shitty this job is, which I will, I'm not even afraid to say it. I hate my job. I've been looking for well, a new one for the longest time. Uh, what is it that, what is it that you do on a daily basis at work? I am a click list or a pickup attendant. Uh, I work in the department where we will go around collecting other people's groceries when they put the orders in. And it's usually just my job to take the stuff out and put it in their car. Okay. And then get yelled at for whenever, you know, somebody wanted blueberries and for whatever reason, the person picking gave them tomatoes because uh, I'm the person right there. So they're going to blame me for it. So you don't go and grab the, the groceries around the store. You just take them out to the people's car after, yeah. after it's already been collected. Yeah. I used to do both, but then again, I am very slow at the picking. So they're thinking like, yeah, you're just going to do this from now on. And I'm like, okay. I mean, like most of the customers are okay for the most part, but you've seen the videos, you know what these people are like, especially with the pandemic. I mean, that Monday when all this first started, it was like a literal war zone. Yeah. It was, it was ungodly. Um, so have you dealt with, um, I don't know, do people like look at their, I've never ordered groceries online. Do people like look at their groceries before they leave after you put them in their car and then we complain? Have, we have like these sheets of paper that we give them that marks down like any substitutions we had to make or anything that w we didn't have. And for the most part, like people will just, you know, take the paper, not even look at it, fold it up and then just put it in their pocket and not even care. Yeah. It was thinking like, oh, thank God. But then other people, especially like the, the people who are coupon crazy will, you know, often snatch that from me before I can hand it to them and meticulously look over every last detail of it and make sure that it satisfies them. Because if there's one item that like, if they wanted like four bags of chips and we were out of this one bag and it was like a buy four, save four or whatever the hell, oh my God, they will erupt like Mount St. Helens. It is, I've dealt with that way too many times and I didn't 
want to delve super far into work. It's just, it's just been especially crazy, especially now with the pandemic and dealing with all of that nonsense. You would think that these people would learn to be more patient with us, but no, it's only gotten worse. Yeah. If, if you don't want to talk about work, we don't have to. No. Um, well, I just don't necessarily feel like going into specifics, if that makes sense. Yeah. Like, cause nobody, nobody's listening to this to uh, hear me bitch about work. At least I would hope not. I think, um, I actually think it's important for you to talk about it because, you know, you're dealing with general public and it's, to me, you know, you're interacting with someone you don't know and helping them, uh, pick up their groceries and they're like, if they're erupting on you for like running out of a bag of chips, I think that's ridiculous. Like people shouldn't do that. And it's important to understand for the people like that, that they shouldn't be treating someone so poorly because they didn't get a bag of chips. Yeah. And it doesn't even matter if it's a bag of chips or it could be literally anything. Like if they are out of this, like one, if they're missing like one cashew or almond, something as tiny as that, they could potentially cause havoc. And that's not at all something that I'm about. Yeah. And it's especially frustrating because, you know, as, you know, workers of Kroger, we have to have like a etiquette towards treating customers. You know, we have to be nice to them. We can't raise our voices. We can't say, you know, sorry, we don't have this, but there's nothing I can do about it. We have to constantly find a way to make things better, which is fine. But I personally believe that when the customer in question is behaving like a screaming two-year-old, then that needs to go out the window because at that point, you know, you're shouting like cuss word after cuss word at me simply because I, and not even me, but like someone that I work with made a mistake and yet you're blaming me for it. And not to throw like the people that I work with under the bus, like oftentimes they are very good at this. It's the people more than often than not that are the ones causing trouble. I talked about how I had done better at managing my anger, but these past couple of years I feel have been like, you know, younger, angrier Mason is starting to come back into the fold because there have been times where like after I've dealt with these people, like as soon as they're driving off and huff, I'm like, you know what? I might just chase after that dude. I'm not even joking. Cause there's been, I don't, there's this one guy who made me take out all of his stuff just because he didn't get the right amount of hamburger that he wanted. And I was thinking like, dude, you just don't want the substitution that we gave you. You don't need to have me take everything out. He didn't listen. And, and this was like, even after I told him, Hey, I already paid your stuff out. He just didn't bother listening or anything to what I was saying. And I literally told him like, you know what? I've got other customers to take care of who aren't going to waste my time, nicer customers. And he's saying like, I am nice. And you're like, no, no, you're not. Because if you weren't, then I wouldn't be half wanting to strangle you. And like, I'm not, I'm, I know I'm coming off as like, you know, God, this guy sounds like a violent prick. I'm not wanting to be. It's just that there comes a point where I just can't take it. Yeah. And I know a lot of people have their limits, but you know, unfortunately with the way I am, my limits are just not as high. 
Right. I want to mention that I, I'm not solving any of the world's problems here, but one of my big things is, you know, you, if you're, if you're someone in the gym general public and you're dealing with customer service or someone, you know, who is helping you, right? You, you Mason, you're helping someone get their groceries, right? They don't want to go into the store. You're bringing them out to them, right? You're doing a service to them. And if someone wants to be rude and toxic and whatever, I don't think that's right. No, um, it isn't right. Yeah. You know, you, you're being mean to another person, right? You're the general public person is being mean to another person who's just trying to help. And I don't think that's right. I, treat customer service people fairly. Treat your waiters and waitresses fairly. Barista, someone getting you a cup of coffee. Just treat people fairly. I I don't care that, you know, you didn't get your hamburger. Is that a reason for the world to end right then? Is that a reason to yell at someone uh, when you are most likely capable of getting hamburger on your own? I don't mean to make it sound like all the people that do this service are like that. A lot of, like... In actuality, this sort of thing only happens very rarely. Yeah. I mean, a lot of the people are actually very grateful for this service, and they will often pull me aside and tell me, you know, thank you so much for doing this. My family is all tested positive, and I'm the only one that can come out and do this, so thank you for doing this for them. And that's nice. I'm glad to know that I'm actually doing something, you know, for that. It's just, for whatever reason, these past couple of years, just the way people have been treating, especially those in customer service, is just absolutely terrible. Like, we deserve better. Absolutely. I I believe, um, I don't know if you've heard the quote, but, like, positivity spreads positivity. I believe, also believe negativity spreads negativity. And if someone's going to be negative towards you because, you know, they didn't like their groceries... You know, they're going to be mean to you. They're going to be negative to you. And then you also have to deal with that and being negative. So just be nice. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's simple as that. Because, I mean, like, I, like, some people can just let go of, like, anything bad that happens at their or work. But for me, for whatever reason, it doesn't always happen. Like, if I get stuck in a bad mood because of a, a customer, I'm like that pretty much the entire rest of the day. Yeah. And I... I hate that. I don't want, cause then I come off as a massive brick to everybody else. And I don't mean to do that. It's just, it's just, I can't let go of it or it doesn't want to let go of me for whatever reason. And then I come home and you know, I bring that home and my parents are like, why are you being such a dick all the time? And I'm like, cause I work at a job that I hate and can't deal with the people for all it's worth. You know, I, I've, I've been trying. But, I mean, there just comes a point. Yeah. Uh, I mean, all you can do is try, right? It's, you can try to be better every single day. You know, we, we have, we have an idea of what a better person looks like and how we can be that person, right? You know, it's sometimes someone being rude to you sticks with you the rest of the day and you can't get over it. I totally understand. I hope other people do as well because you're not alone. And I've I've had that happen recently. I've had it happen years ago. It happens, you know, more often. Or it's common, right? 
Yeah, unfortunately, uh, it's not something that really anyone can escape from. Yeah. Unless you just don't deal with people at all. But how likely is that going to be, right? Really kind of hard at this point. Yeah. Because, I mean, like, as someone who doesn't generally understand people, and for the life of me to this day, I still don't. I know for certain that people have the capacity to be good. Like, you see all this crap in the news about, you know, the pandemic, about, you know, a war being waged somewhere. And you're thinking, like, God, the world really is going to shit. That could just be any of the media. I think people in general are good. They have the capacity to be good. It's just the way that uh, negative, uh, like you said, spreads is just so easy. Being a good person is difficult, but in the end, it's all the more worth it. Right. Uh, you, you bring up an, an interesting point. Um, so we we have this, like, all the news and you know we always see negativity right it's always this bad thing happened here this bad thing happened there um pandemic etc right do you do you take how do you read that like information do you feel that you read the information that we see like differently because you have autism or do you feel you read it like everyone else. I want to say that I read it like that everybody else does. I don't necessarily like talking about the news with other people just because it brings back up those sort of negativity things, especially yeah. when it comes to politics. I refuse to bring up politics to hardly anyone anymore, especially with the way things have gone on this past couple of years, especially. Yeah, I picked a really good time to start voting. Um, <laughs> yeah, but I've become very cynical when it comes to the news especially because i watch it and i'm like of course that happened why am i not surprised yeah okay yeah. that actually sounds surprised oh no wait there it goes <laughs> that's just the way it, it is these days yeah so you're like me you see something on the news you're like oh well that's not surprising that that happened like the world's just going to shit even more than it already is well, I feel like everyone's like that at this point. Like, we've yeah. all inherited, like, this sense of, of a cynical nature, and that's just making us all the more negative. And that's, well, I mean, unfortunately, a lot of the news is directed towards negativity, which, you know, doesn't help at all, because I'm sure that there are more than enough positive stories to fill up, you know, the nightly news that they could be airing, but you know, it's more dramatic and gets more views to get, you know, coverage on, you know, how this uh, pandemic is going or this hostage situation over in wherever is going. Yeah. Uh, misery loves company, right? Yeah. I know uh, that. Well, the, just the bad news is just, it makes the money and it gets people to click on it and everyone gets all, um, up in arms right mm. but like if you see positive news it's like oh cool that's yeah. it and like that's all yeah and I'm like why am I not seeing this everywhere right but yeah it's just and ultimately this just has me thinking people understand like we're not here forever because I mean like our lives are so expendable especially these days that we have to take care that we have to look after ourselves and others especially 
you know, they say life is fleeting. Well, that's because it is. Yeah. Because, I mean, like, and not to be any, like, cynical again, but, like, there's so many ways that pretty much all life on this planet could end in a split second. A lot of those, we would never see it coming. I learned all about space as a kid. It's scary as L. Oh, yeah. I know people will argue that the ocean is scarier. No, black holes and gamma ray bursts exist. Space is infinitely scarier. <laughs> but <laughs> I would agree with you there. <laughs> Did you watch the movie on Netflix, Don't Look Up? I I didn't really bother to because, like, I got the message, like, very quickly on. And, yes, it is a very good message that a lot of more people need to hear and not just laugh and say, ah, that's a good movie. No, there's a very genuine message behind it. And, you know, I credit uh, DiCaprio for, you know, pointing that out. Yeah. Yeah. I, I believe they did a great job with that movie. Yeah. Um, I mean, like, I haven't watched it myself, but, you know, I got the message and I think I got it fair enough. Also, it doesn't help that I read the plot on Wikipedia because I didn't want to watch it. But I, mean, that's, <laughs> I watch a ton of movies as is. I don't necessarily need that one, I guess, if I already know what's going to happen. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. Um, yeah. So what what else about your life uh, did you want to bring up? I think a very other well-known tidbit about people with autism is that we are often like find ourselves fascinated by like one or more subjects. Have you heard about that one? Um, I don't believe so. Okay. So like, especially people with high functioning autism, like me, if we like, I'm not really sure how, okay. So, um, like I said, like I learned about space, uh, up until about like third grade, you know, I wanted to be an astronaut. Like, you know, most kids were, but right. Like when I was a kid, I, you know, read so many space books. I was obsessed because like the thing is most autistic kids, when they learn about something, oftentimes they'll find one subject that they will just fixate on, that they'll, that their mind will rotate around 24 seven. And a lot of times I'm exactly like that. Like if there's like a TV show that I just now watched for the first time or, you know, coming back to, uh, book series that I'm opening back up, I will not stop thinking about it. Like I'll listen to music in the car and thinking like, okay, I wonder if I could squeeze this song into the movie soundtrack. And I wonder if that would fit it somehow. Something like that. Okay. So your brain is always just like thinking about one thing that you're really enjoying. And then you're like, how can I do all of these things with it? Kind of, kind of like that. Okay. It's just like, and a lot of the other times I will like find people to discuss this with, whether that be, you know, friends or family. And, you know, it used to be, I would be more open about all the stuff I'm interested in. I don't know what it was, but like, after I started growing up, I sort of just stopped discussing it with them because I had it in my head that they just didn't care and that I was just tucking their ear off relentlessly over a subject that they were not as interested in as I was. And that made me incredibly self-conscious. And it still does to this day. I mean, you know, autism and anxiety and, you know, depression also, they pretty much go hand in hand. And, but you know, like my 
areas of interest would go all over the place. I mean, like space was a big one for the longest time up until about third grade. And then I actually was really interested in animals for quite a big chunk of time before I went to TU to be a, uh, to get my degree in computer science. I actually wanted to be a zoologist. Interesting. Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah. It was actually even funny. Um, you know how, uh, certain species names they'll be written in latin and greek or something like that yeah i had a lot of those memorized really yeah that amazes me uh i love that because i'll look at those and be like i can't pronounce that and don't even try and just be like yep that's a you know whatever the animal is in like a lion or a tiger (laughs) not even try to pronounce latin or greek (laughs) And you're out here memorizing all of them. Well, I, okay. I could memorize some of them as a kid. Like I could maybe pull up like one or two, like, you know, lion and tiger. That's Panthera, Leo and Tigris. Uh, Ursus Arctos is a polar bear. Conus Lupus. That's just a gray wolf. But I mean, these are very specific. They're, well, not specific. I should say they're very generalized names because when you break down to the subspecies that you know adds on a third name i for the life of me could not remember one of those so i'm not really sure i'd be able to but yeah that was just something that i was crazy about for the longest time um and then it wasn't until like high school when i started thinking to myself hey those computer things that everybody keeps telling me i'm so good at because i know how to print things might actually be pretty cool and so i realized okay i can't really get into a very affordable college like doing the zoology thing i didn't want to move away super far so i guess i'll just do this thing over here and that will just be it i guess and you know a lot of people on the spectrum are a lot like that to where they you know would memorize um like how I memorized some of the species names to circle back around to that a lot. Like, like I said, those with a higher functioning autism are damn smart. Like some of them are able to do uh, calculations for like a lot of mathematics stuff in their head. I cannot do that. I can only use a calculator and that's like maybe if, (laughs) (laughs) but yeah, some people are very attentive when it comes to these sort of things, you know, it's just a lot of them are just like that. It's kind of neat. So you're able to memorize things really well. Uh, Some things, if I like hyper fixate on them, because there were one, there were quite a few things that I can't memorize for the life of me. Like you could tell me to like go down to the street and like grab this one thing from a store and I would get halfway down the road and then realized, wait, why am I standing out here again? And then just walk back. Okay. Yeah, it's it's very weird. So as long as as long as you're like interested in it, you'll be able to memorize and like hyperfixate, like you said. If you hyperfixate on something that interests you, you can just memorize everything about it. Yeah, and especially like if you know you tell me that you really need me to get this, then I will be like, okay, I will not let anything distract me and I will like, you know, tunnel vision, go there and back, not do anything else. 
and then just do it like that, I guess. Okay. And it's very weird. That's interesting. Yeah. Um, yeah. I I actually didn't know that. Uh, I knew the like the mathematics calculations um, that some people on that spectrum can just do all the crazy math that makes no sense to most people and be absolutely correct. And they did everything in their heads where other people have to like write it down on uh, like chalk or paper or whatever and use a calculator and all that. Um, that's amazing. Yeah. That's why it's, you know, that's why they consider it a spectrum. I mean, like I should say like, I'm fortunate in that, you know, some of these people are incredibly smart and can do all that. But at the same time, some of those people who can do that, unfortunately, some of them can't speak. Some of them like can't be in the same room as another person. I mean, like I have a similar quirk where like I can't make eye contact with people. And that's like a very frequent thing. Job interviews, especially for me are torturous because I'm stammering all over the place, trying to figure out what to say and how to make sure that I stay professional and make sure that I'm answering all the questions that I'm giving all the details out. And you know, when you're put on the spot like that, it's very easy to psych yourself out. I guess I could say. Yeah. Yeah. I, I know I get nervous and in job interviews and stuff and I'm sure other people do as well, but you feel it like even more intense. You would say maybe. Oh yeah. Yeah. That, that, yeah, those are not fun. Even on Zoom calls, it's just awkward. Yeah. Yeah. I remember um, we were talking about setting this up, and you were like, I'm nervous. I don't know what to do or say and all that. And I was like, we're just talking. Yeah. And, and, like, my anxiety, like, comes out, like, I'm not the most anxious person, which is great because, like, like I said, I used to be. But I've gotten better through time. And it's just like, you know, I was listening to like some of the podcasts and at the end you say like, you know, if you have someone or if you want to come on, you know, please contact me. And I'm like, I could uh, maybe come on and like talk about like the autism stuff because I thought that would be interesting. But then I thought, no, he's probably got a bunch of other people lined up. I really shouldn't. And that, And I thought, you know what, I'm just going to take a chance on this. I'm going to send it on the email because I, and that's what he said to do. Even though I have him on my aunt X, I'm going to do it. <laughs> sure enough, I got the email the next day and I'm like, yay. <laughs> <laughs> and then we just exit from there because I figured, yeah, I are, uh, let's just be honest with ourselves. Come on. Yeah. But yeah. Super easy. Right. Mm -hmm. And uh, let's see, we set this up within a couple of weeks. Right? Yeah. I, I like Something to like that. I like to do this on um, the weekends because usually people are more flexible. I, I'm actually really curious. You, we've talked a lot about like social interactions and um, your understandings and your perspectives and all that. How do you feel like listening to podcasts, not just like this one? I don't know if you listen to others, but how do you feel like listening to podcasts where there is people having conversations or talking? Does that feel any sort of like social interaction to you or do you feel like better or worse or is it I actually find neutral? them oh, sorry. I Go actually ahead. find them uh somewhat comforting if that makes sense. Because like especially on this one, you know, you're here and 
like the one I specifically come back to is the one you did with Shay. Oh yeah. Yeah. I'm pretty sure that was the first podcast episode of this that I listened to actually. And you know, I'm listening to that and I'm like, God, it's like I'm right next to them just talking about this stuff. And I'm like, man, this is awesome. Cause well, I'd listened to podcasts before then obviously, but you know, I, it sort of just like varies whatever it is that I'm listening to, you know, for the most part, I just sort of, it's kind of weird. I sort of like picture myself in like the background when they're sitting down talking. Yeah. If that makes sense. Yeah. It makes sense. Yeah. It's just like, and sometimes like I will blurt out my own responses, (laughs) which is really dumb, but I don't know. It just, like I said, it's cringe, but it just, just is what it is. I guess. I don't find it cringy at all. I think it's cool where if you're listening to a podcast, I think it's fun to, you know, if someone's talking and you could be like, oh, hey, like this is how I would respond. And like, even if you say it to yourself, I don't think that's weird. Uh, I don't care who you are, spectrum, no spectrum, um, listening to it. I think it's cool. And I, I also like to think that I'm sitting there with these people as they talk and I just kind of sit there in the background. Right. Yeah. I mean, like, it's not too hard to imagine. I mean, like people listen to uh, live tracks from like their favorite bands and they can just like picture themselves at the concert. It's, this, sort of, it's yeah. something sort of like that. I think that's a great comparison. Cause you can listen to like live recordings of musicians and you know, you hear the crowd and you hear the the musician talking to the crowd and you can kind of picture yourself being in that crowd, right? You're just sitting there like, oh, yeah. Yeah. I love this song. You know, all that stuff. <laughs> yeah. Which is ironic because I am not a concert person. No? I'm really... No, it's just, it's not even really the people thing that bothers me. It's just that it's so loud, I guess. It's... Yeah. It's very, like, distracting. I don't really know what it is. It's not something that, like, really bothers me. It's just I'm there, but I'm just standing there like, okay, this is cool, but do I really want to be here? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, like, you know, just stuff like this, it, like, especially has helped me when I was going through, like, especially bad times. Mm-hmm. Um, well, we hinted at this earlier, but, you know, you know, circling back around way back to the beginning of this, I guess. Back to my uh, sophomore year of college when I first started out, we had just gotten the new house. Um, I was uh, putting in a room for it because, you know, I figured, hey, now that I'm in the fraternity, I can live in the house. That'd be awesome. And so, like, you know, I was excited for the most part. You know, uh, my family came over to help. Uh, they met Shay and, you know, Snyder and Brian McCormick. That was, that was really awesome. Just yeah. seeing those two worlds collide. It was crazy. <laughs> I don't know. It was just, it was weird, but like, you know, I had like a pretty good setup, but at some point that night I started thinking to myself, okay, something weird's going on. Cause I'm not as excited about this anymore. And then, you know, it just sort of like goes on from there because like at some point later that night, 
I'm sitting in my car calling my dad, just bawling my eyes out, not knowing why, just wanting to be anywhere but the house at that point because, like, I didn't understand what was going on then, but I think it was just, like, the anxiety of, you know, being on my own. Like, it wasn't like I was worried about moving in with the guys because I had known them fairly well at this point. You know, we had talked all summer about this. It was going to be awesome. And yet, like, I'm sad about this at the same time. And I'm thinking, like, why am I feeling like this? This is not what I was supposed to be feeling. I was supposed to be, like, having the time of my life. And yet I'm miserable. And so, like, I don't just went to the doctor a little while after that happened. And I was, you know, then diagnosed with depression and that I sort of guess I should have had this coming because I had spouts of depression one time or another, you know, especially like in high school, but that's because high school is high school. It was just not, it was not a really good time for me at the beginning of my sophomore year. It just really wasn't. And I got better, you know, I know like I have gotten better and, you know, it was, you know, thanks to you guys for, you know, being there for me. Like I texted them saying like, Hey guys, I'm sorry, but I don't think I'm going to be able to move into the house. And, you know, like I explained it to them and I was so worried about what they were going to say, but they all responded like nothing, but saying like, you know, we're here for you, man. Like whatever you're going through, you have, we're always open ears, all that stuff. And, you know, like I knew that that sort of thing was going to happen, but just like in the back of my mind, it was just, it was just a really weird time. Like, I think what happened was that I subconsciously been collecting like all these changes in my life in the background. And every one of those changes was starting to, uh, like something was cracking slowly in the back of my head. Like every time something would happen, there would be a crack. And then that night, every, it, the dam just burst, I guess what happened. Cause like at that point, like my sister had moved to Columbus to start her, uh, uh, her education at Capitol. Uh, my brother just started high school. Um, just everything in my life had been changing so quickly. And I guess I just wasn't ready for it. You know, it was for the longest time, like a really hard subject to bring up, but I don't, really tend to think of it that way now because I mean everybody everybody in college has you know those jitters of where like oh am I really ready to move on to campus I realized in hindsight like I was probably just overreacting to a lot of this but at the time like I was absolutely terrified because I didn't know what was happening and nothing really ever felt right after that yeah I, I feel like a lot of change at once can weigh heavy on someone, right? Mm-hmm. Where, um, you know, like you said, your your sister moved um, down to Columbus. Your brother is transitioning into high school. Um, you're transitioning out of, you know, your comfort zone at home and trying to move into a new one. Uh, and it's kind of, you know, uncharted. Uh, if that makes sense. No, it was absolutely, that's spot on. It's yeah. It, it can be hard on 
anyone. Yeah. I'd, I'd say you're not alone. Um, and we all, we all have, you know, those, those changes affect us differently. Right. Yeah. Where other people could say to you, Hey, that's not that big of a deal. That's just how things happen. But I mean, to you, it is a big deal, right? Those are all, you have your status quo and how things happen. And then all these things are happening at once mm-hmm. and it just can make you uncomfortable and that's okay. Yeah. Cause I mean, like a lot of people on the spectrum don't tend to deal with change all that well. I mean, like if one little attribute of their routine goes away, they freak out sometimes even worse than I did. And this could be as something as normal as, you know, Oh, they wake up every morning and not have, and not have peanut butter for their PB and J. And the whole day is just ruined pretty much. You know, it's something normal like that, but I don't something something as big as that is just threw me off, I guess. And like I said, I have gotten better. I mean, like my sister is now graduated and she's working as a gastroenterologist at one of the OSU campuses and, you know, working her ass off every day, especially, you know, with the pandemic going on. I can't even imagine. Right. Yeah. And my brother is going to be graduating high school in the next few months and I'm not I'm not even sure if I, that's registered cuz I mean like I mean that's just crazy. Yeah. Yeah, cuz I mean like and I got to tell you, he started out his senior year right. Dude had a calf tattoo and he literally rode into school on a motorcycle. <laughs> no, I saw him right away and I was like that kid is going to be the biggest jock the coolest kid in school there is no doubt and this is your little brother yeah you remember drew don't you (laughs) oh yeah i've uh i think i've seen him uh, a couple of times yeah somehow he's taller than me now what yeah he was shorter than you yeah um this obviously isn't like video recorded but you're a tall person yeah i i'm a fairly average height i would say um yeah, that's amazing. That's so cool that yeah. he's growing up like that. Yeah. Um, so I'm curious on like him going into high school was a big change for you, right? And now between that time of him going into high school and now you're talking about him graduating high school and how you're not totally ready for it, that time in between while he was in high school as freshman, sophomore, junior, senior year, has that like did you feel less anxious about it like you were you're finally like i don't know a sigh of relief like oh this is back to normal i think that well like i said i'm pretty sure that i was overreacting cuz a lot of the problems that i have is that i overthink quite mm-hmm. a bit of things to where i make the situation worse just by doing that and so I think that that's part of the reason why I had such a bad experience the first time because, you know, I had to accept that, you know, sort of change was going to happen. Like these events were going to take place and, you know, that's what it was all heading up towards. And so okay. like, you know, I, it took me forever to drill that idea into my head, but somehow or other, you know, I was able to do it and I'm, 
thankfully all the better for it. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. I, it's cool that I think, um, like listening to you describe it, it, it sounds like it's like a, just a little growth, um, for you that you like recognize, Hey, I overthink things. Um, I get anxious about things and now it's looking back. It's not as bad. Right. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I mean, like, you know, this sort of thing is just an opportunity to, like, open myself up to people to, like, show that there's more than just the shell that they see on a regular basis, I guess. Yeah. Part of the reason why I can't, uh, the other part, I guess I should say, as to why I came on here. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I always talk to people, um, as an uh, avid listener as you are, you probably know. Um, I always talk to people about traveling. Oh yeah, and like places that they've gone and places they thing that's things that they've seen. Um, how does that? How does traveling? Have you traveled? And how does like being on the spectrum like affect you while you're traveling? Oh, I love traveling. Really? I absolutely. No, I absolutely love traveling. Like that's I get awesome. that. Yeah, I get that. There are people who you know only like to be in like one town their entire lives. I am not like that at all. I love going places. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like whenever I'm, God, whenever I'm having an like a day off from work or whatever, sometimes I'll just drive down to Columbus just to go to the books and to books and million, not the the Barnes and Noble. God, <laughs> they have a books and million in Finley. That's why I got it mixed up. All good. But yeah, because like, look, we got a Barnes and Noble in Mansfield, but. That one's about the size of your house. The Barnes and Noble that they have at like the Polaris Mall is like a three-story building. Oh, it's huge. Infinitely more books. Yeah. I'm going there. Even though like, you know, I don't have a very good car and that's a lot of gas from where I'm living. I mean, like that's bad enough, but like early, like last year I I literally drove to Fort Wayne and also, like, just past the Ohio-Pennsylvania border, literally just to see if I could. Oh, awesome. I had no reason to go oh, to either of those places. I just wanted to prove that I could drive the, that far. Yeah. Yeah. And sometimes um, whenever I'm coming back from uh, wherever place in journal, or sometimes I'll just hop in my car and I'll just drive down a road and then turn onto a road that I don't usually go down and just purposefully get myself lost and just try and find a way back. Interesting. Yeah. It's a very odd quirk, but yeah. it's just, I don't know. It's, I don't know if it's something to do with like, cause there's the theory that like travel makes you smarter and that's not really the reason that I do it, but like, I feel more insightful when I do that, I guess. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, I find that so interesting that you just like love traveling and going places and doing things just to see if you can do it. Uh, especially cause you just mentioned how, um, like people on the spectrum, if there's anything that's outside of their typical routine, it's like, it throws, a, throws someone off all day. 
and like it can throw you off completely. But well, yeah, that's why it's considered a spectrum. Like some people on this end of it could be like that, but I'm further er, down or away. And so like I could be totally different from them. Yeah. And it's very hard to like discuss like if, well, it's very hard for er, me to like, single out someone if they are on the spectrum because oftentimes I can't even tell if they are or not because mm-hmm. sometimes like sometimes they have it in it even less than I do or sometimes even more but even then I'm not a doctor I can't diagnose people yeah you know like they could have like some other uh condition that makes them act like that and I wouldn't know mm-hmm. but yeah I God, I haven't been out of state for so long and I'm really wanting to just leave Ohio at some point. It was, I was actually just about to ask you with, with both traveling and changing your routine, like in mind, how, how do you think it would be if you left um, Ohio and like went on a, a week long vacation? If you went somewhere else? Uh, I think it really kind of depends on where uh, I was going. I mean, like I spent like almost a week in Texas with my aunt and my uncle and that was amazing. I like, you know, contrary to what I believe politically, Texas is amazing. Yeah. I mean, that's, I shouldn't say that because like I've only really ever stuck around like the Dallas Fort Worth area. And that is like, that place is crazy. It's awesome down there. I remember last time I, I went down there the first time in like seventh grade when my mom was going down to visit and like, oh man, I love flying. Really? I love, yes. I like my sister hates it, but no, I love flying. It is I, the, I was, I was going to ask you about that too. If, yeah. if you've been on a plane and how that, uh, how being on that affects you. Yeah. I mean like, Literally, when it's just taking off, it feels like you're going on a swing and you just don't oh, stop going up. <laughs> I love that feeling. The butterflies so in cool. your stomach, it's just, it feels awesome. Yeah. I love it. I mean, like the turbulence and stuff, I can get why people get freaked out by that because, like, you know, it can get rough up there. Generally, you know, they are, they do say, like, you know, air travel is the safest way. And, you know, I believe that. Yeah. It's just like these certain times when you hear about plane crashes, that's like one occurrence out of like a million. Mm-hmm. There's like maybe there's probably hundreds of flights going around in this state right now. And I guarantee you about like 15 of them just crossed over our heads while yeah. we we're doing this recording. Yeah. There's uh, actually the an airport very close by Yeah, uh, that flights are going in and out of all the time. Yeah. Uh, I think it's it's somewhere around like 30 times. You're like 30 times more likely to get in a car accident than any sort of aircraft accident. Like, that's a lot. Um, yeah, that's uh, 40 if I'm behind the wheel, but that's just me. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but no, like I remember the... Uh, God, the last time... I went down to Texas was a uh, college graduation present. 
uh, me and my mom went back down, uh, stayed with my aunt and my uncle, uh, went to the, uh, Windstar Casino, which is the world's biggest casino, believe it or not. It's in Oklahoma of all places. I went there. Yeah. I've been there. I didn't dude, know that, that was the biggest cr- casino. Yeah. It, dude, that place is crazy. Oh, it is so cool. It is. Um, God. I I went there. Uh, I went to Dallas for one of our uh, mutual friends' uh, like weddings. Oh, and nice. I was just there for like the weekend. And I was like, you know what? I've never been to Oklahoma. I'm very close. I'm just going to cross over the border and see what's going on. And I saw that massive casino, like, you know, like a mile away from uh, the Texas border. And I was like, whoa, the place is huge. So I had to go in there. It's so cool. It is very cool. God, I still get, it's crazy because I've only been in there once. I I still get mail from them. (laughs) It's crazy. Yeah. I'm like, guys, you do realize I live like thousands of miles away. (laughs) Like I would go back if I could, but... (laughs) I mean, I was just lucky enough to, uh, you know, get by with, it was really funny. I went there only like 60 bucks to spend. Yeah. I come back out with 60 bucks. Nice. How does that happen? (laughs) No, like I, I spent the 60 bucks, but then I got it back somehow or other. You know, like, I just don't know how that happens. It's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like, you know, if you're going to a casino, that's the way to go. But right. I mean, because I've been like to the Hollywood Casino in Toledo like since then, and I lost like $120. <laughs> I did not get hit it back. I am still kind of salty about that. So, yeah. That's why it's called gambling. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you win some, you lose some. Um, I think that's so cool that you're you know, able to travel and you love going on a plane and seeing new things. And, um, it's, it's fascinating to me that that is like something you love. I can see it like in your face right now that you love doing that. And it's like outside of your normal routine, uh, that, you know, if you get outside of that, like comfort zone, right. You're uncomfortable. But I think it's so cool that you can just go and be happy about it. Yeah, because I remember it was kind of crazy. Last time I was down in Texas, um, we were out at one of the botanical gardens and we got back and uh, some storms were rolling in, you know, storms in Texas, you know, big shock. Um, You know, I was just hanging out at the house. Uh, Everybody was in the living room watching the TV. I walk in and uh, th- there had been a touchdown a little bit away from where we were at. Like a tornado touchdown. Yeah. Yeah. And so I'm thinking like, oh, right, we're in Texas. That is supposed <laughs> to happen. And I'm thinking like, okay, this could be in our area. So I should probably head down to the, like, find out where the basement is in this place. They don't have a basement. Yep. And then I realized, oh, well, it's probably just going to lift up. And then I realized, no, wait, this is, I remember, oh, yeah, again, this is Texas where they tend to stay down longer than like a minute and a half. Mm-hmm. And so I'm thinking like, shit, okay, this is real. 
Because, I mean, like, the sirens hadn't gone off or anything, which, you know, any weather-wise person will tell you, you know, don't don't listen for the sirens. You know, look for, like, the actual signs. Yeah. But um, it didn't end up, like, going anywhere near us, thankfully. But, you know, it's just just something that stuck out in my mind. I had uh, another uh, event. So something sort of like that happened. Uh, this was a year before then, actually. My family went on a trip down to Hilton Head, South Carolina. Dude, the condo we had down there was amazing. Like, yeah. I don't know how we were able to afford it, but it was awesome. And, you know... Th- they offered like all sorts of uh, things and you know, they, you could like register a bike to ride around and you know, you and some of the guys will know, like I will take my bike into town and just ride all over the place. Oh yeah. It's very soothing. Like mm-hmm. it's actually like an activity that I like doing quite a lot, especially in the warmer months, because unfortunately that's like four months out of the year because with it being Ohio, it's usually either too cold or it's too hot. Yeah. But yeah, so you know, I'm we'd gone like a couple of times and I decided like, hey, I'm just gonna go by myself and just, you know, ride along the beach. You know? And it was like super nice. The sun was shining, the ocean was right there, people were playing on the uh, sand. It was like it was totally picturesque. Mm-hmm. And then, like, you know, after a while, and this was, like, maybe 40, 45 minutes of riding, and I'm pretty much going in a straight line. Because, like, this beach just goes on forever. Right. And then I think to myself, yeah, I should probably turn around at some point. And so I turn around, except at that point, when I... Uh, do I realize that I may have stopped at the wrong time or I've gone on too long because I'm now up against a wall of water because behind me a storm had crept up oh no and anyone who has been on like the coast will tell you that a storm can pop up at any given time and somehow or other, this one has just crept up on me. And I, like, you know, at that point, I'd been hearing the thunder. But for, I don't know if I'd been that far out ahead of it or what, but it just, I didn't see it coming. Mm-hmm. And I, it especially astounds me because, like, it's not just, like, raining. It is coming down in sheets. Like, it is a literal curtain of water. And I'm like... Oh, God damn it. (laughs) Half an hour later, I'm currently soaked to my skin, trying so hard to see through the rain, dodging as many cars as I can, trying to find my way back to the condo. Wow. Yeah. And, you know, this goes on for so long. and I'm, you know, trying desperately to get back soon and praying to God that my phone has not been ruined because it is 
the rain soaked through my pants at this point. Like every bit of me was soaked. Yeah. And then at some point or another, I start to get in close. But there's a point in the middle of the ride where, and you know, at this point, the um, rain has been like going on. It's basically like I was trekking under a waterfall. Like it was insane. But all of a sudden, like the rain isn't stopping, but I can't hear the rain anymore. And I'm thinking like, that's weird. But then I realize what's happening. I'm like, oh shit, this ain't good. And then the loudest crack of thunder goes over my head and it knocks me off my bike. What? Yeah. I like, I don't think it happened directly, but like I got uh, pretty close to getting struck by lightning. Holy shit. Yeah, because, like, I try to get back up, and I can't feel my left leg. Like, it's all tingling, and I'm like, okay, I'm pretty sure that I'm still alive, so I'm going to keep going. But, yeah, if my heart could stop beating at, like, 200 beats a minute, that'd be awesome. Because, like, look, anybody will tell you that I ingest way too much caffeine, pesky specifically (laughs) and you know there's a reason why i don't especially like horror movies or roller coasters or anything fun because if i get like jump scared at any point my heart will probably explode so yeah that was just a kind of a bit of a tidbit about that trip the rest of it was amazing yeah yeah there were dolphins all over the place down there. My God. But I mean, like, like every night we were there, it was, it wasn't really storming, but like it was constantly lightning. Like it mm-hmm. was like strobe light. Like yeah. every night it was like that. Yeah. I've, it was crazy. I've experienced that too. Uh, where I, where I like, I went to Florida and I was able to like sit outside and see off in the distance just the lightning in the clouds doing all all that stuff. Yeah, it was a lot like that. Yeah. Where do you want to go? Uh I really want to go further out west. Yeah. Because I mean like Texas is the furthest out west that I've gone, but uh I mean I really want to see like, you know, Arizona or not necessarily Nevada. Uh, I really want to see California. Like, I think that would be pretty neat. Yeah. Yeah. Somewhere like further along the West Coast. Um, uh, there is, uh, at some point or another, I kind of want to like cross over the border to Canada. Canada I think that would be cool. Canada would be very cool. Canada is beautiful. I've never been there, but I've seen pictures. <laughs> yeah, my parents have, and like apparently, like it's pretty great up there, and you know, I believe it. Yeah, right. Uh, aside from Canada, definitely would want to have New Zealand. New Zealand, definitely New Zealand. Oh, yeah. it's beautiful. Yeah, I want to go to New Zealand. Um, 
because of Lord of the Rings. That's the reason I'll, like everyone wants to. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> is yeah. that is that one of your reasons, or you just want to go there for other reasons? Well, I got a friend who lives down there that I'm particularly close to that I uh, met online and. You know, we had been talking about like meeting up for the longest time, and uh, unfortunately, flights to New Zealand are uh, not cheap. Right. No. No. They are not. <laughs> yeah, it. Yeah, it was just. Yeah, so like that's definitely a. Definitely a place I'd want to go. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's cool that you met someone online that is from New Zealand and you guys are close enough to be like, let's like actually meet each other in person. Mm-hmm. That's cool. Yeah. I mean, before like I, before anybody any starts wondering, I know what this person looks like. We have FaceTimed before. It's not anything sketch or anything. You know, it's legit because I have to <laughs> clarify that with people sometimes. Right. Yeah. It, it's it's still a weird world of meeting people online because a lot of people can say there's someone when they aren't. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Is there any place else that you want to go that's on like your your bucket list of places to travel to? Uh, I mean... Great Britain's probably up there. Yeah. Yeah. Probably, probably that. Um, other than that, I don't really think there is. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Um, so what else did you want to mention while you're here? Um, I don't. Okay, this sort of thing. If I were to like leave off on anything and this isn't really anything autism related but just I think something that like applies to everyone mm-hmm. we have said before that life is fleeting and that we aren't given all that much time in the world I think that a lot of people take what they have for granted and that like there isn't any sort of experience that I have to correlate with this. It's just that when you look at, at where we are in the universe, like our planet itself is on the smaller side among giants. We are so insignificant in the grand scheme of things. And, you know, just... I don't know if it has to do with my perspective of the world or whatever, but you know, a lot of times when you see these people in the news in like, whether it be uh, government leaders or protesters or just people on the internet, just constantly going at each other, over the most tedious things. I think a lot of people forget, like, is this really going to matter in about like 
five years, 10 years? Am I still going to be thinking about this on my deathbed? And even then, like, just, I feel like the reason people don't have that mindset is that they don't have the mental capacity to, like, broaden their minds to that extent. Not to make any people sound dumb or anything. Like, I'm not trying to make it sound like I'm superior. Because I'm not. And no one is. And I think that uh, when people start to think like that, you know, maybe the world won't be as shitty a place as we think it is. Because, I mean, like, things such as, you know, racism or sexism, or even the concept of borders. That sort of thing confuses me. Because we're all the same species of human. Some of us just have, like, different facial features or darker skin than others. But, you know, you look at images of, like, people's skeletons. They all look the same. It's because they are the same. Like, it doesn't matter where you were born or when you were born or what uh, your upbringing is. Like, we're all, like, human. And the fact that we have to go around dividing parts of the world just because this is what we conquered and this is what we own, be it, you know, through territorial ownership or literally just buying it. You know, why why do you feel the need to make it sound as if you own that place? Because, I mean, like, when you come down to it, like, you don't own, own the earth. Nobody does. We're just, we're literally just a bunch of super evolved monkeys living on a floating mud ball. I mean, that's... That's really just all there is to think about it. And that, and like I said, I think when people start realizing that, I think we might have a better perspective of where things are. I like that take. Hmm. Um, I, I've seen before and I, it kind of resonates with me. It's like, in the grand scheme of things, nothing matters. Right. Nothing that you do matters where there's so much going on in the world and the universe that what you do today doesn't matter in 10 years. It might. Right. Like if you're one of those, I don't know if you're someone that has a crazy influence on the world, like uh, some political leader that can for sure affect things in 10 years. But no, it absolutely can. Yeah. But like the, if you decide to drink Coke or Pepsi today, that doesn't matter. No, it absolutely doesn't. I don't feel like I did a great job explaining that, but I, eh. it's the idea is there. Yeah. Cause I mean, like I, especially used to, I constantly worry about how I'm seen in other people's eyes about how I sound to other people, how I interact with other people. Mm-hmm. And I'm constantly like 
stressing myself in like worrying that if I don't do this right, then these people are going to hate me. And I do not want that. Like it's, I used to be a lot more worried about that, but I've tried to let go of that idea because whoever you are, you shouldn't matter. It shouldn't matter who thinks what of you. Mm-hmm. It really shouldn't. You know, you do you and all of that, but you know, it's just been that sort of thing has just been what's keeping me up at night. <laughs> and it keeps me up up at night as well. It's mm-hmm. not it's not something I go to bed just like, yep, that's fine. Like I, I will legit sit there and like oh my God, nothing matters, right? Like, I'll have that thought. Well, I'm not trying to sound morose like that. I'm just saying, like, you know, be kind while you still have the chance. Yeah, definitely. I like that advice. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Is there anything else you wanted to discuss on that topic or any other topics? No, I think that uh, wraps it up. Okay. Yeah. Um. So, you know, as someone who listens, there's always that question at the end that I ask everyone is like, what's that one piece of advice that you want to live on that, you know, everyone takes that, um, you know, Mason said this or what we just talked about. Would that be your advice or would you give yeah, someone other, a, other advice? That's about as good as I can think of. Okay. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for coming and hanging out. Uh, and doing this I really appreciate it Um, I think it's awesome that you wanted to do this right that you said I can do this I'm gonna go share my story as someone who's you know quote-unquote different Mm -hmm. right like you're all that I think it's so cool thank you thanks for having me of course until next time thank you for tuning in to this episode of fatal to prejudice If you or anyone you know would like to be a guest, please visit my website at CameronChats.com and fill out the contact me form. Please fill out the subject line as podcast interview and write me a small blurb on why you or someone you know should be a guest. I'll leave a link in the description for ease of access. You can support this podcast by listening to it on your favorite podcasting site. Please like, comment, share, and subscribe. Another way to support is by becoming a Patreon at patreon.com forward slash fatal to prejudice. Patreon is the only monetary support system. If you would like to sign up and support through there, I am forever grateful for you. Again, thank you for tuning in.